Welcome to Life Church. We are an ex 242 community, a family on a mission to bring the life of Jesus to Warrington. We hope you're ready to hear what God has to say to you today through His Word and by His Spirit. We're just going through um, a series um, about um, a guy, funny name, uh, called Elijah. Uh, Elijah was one of God's spokesmen. Um, way back in the Old Testament, and we've been traveling, journeying through his life, Um, and we're coming up against a situation that he had in his life, which I hope will be helpful for us in our own journeys, in our own life. So we're going to read from 1 Kings chapter 19, 1 to 10. I don't normally read large portions of of, of the Bible, uh, but I think this will help give us some context of what we're looking at today. So what had happened previous to this is that Elijah had called down fire and he burnt up, um, if you add them all together, probably about 850 um, uh, Baal worshippers, the prophets um, of of Ahab uh, and of um, Jezebel. And and we, we find here he called the fire down and they all got swallowed up. Um, and also he called down rain. He did some fantastic uh, feats in life, Uh, and then he hit a roadblock. So we're going to pick the story up. So when Ahab got home, he told Jezebel, his wife, everything Elijah had done, including the way he had killed all the prophets of Baal. So Jezebel sent this message to Elijah, May the gods strike me and even kill me if by this time tomorrow I have not killed you just as you killed them. Quite a threat. So Elijah was afraid and fled for his life. A few of us have been in that situation when a woman is rage against us. (laughs) He went to Bathsheba, a town in Judah. And he left his servant there. Then he went on alone into the wilderness, traveling all day. He sat down under a solitary broom tree and prayed that he might die. I have had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life, for I am no better than my ancestors that have already died. Then he lay down and slept under the broom tree. But as he was sleeping, an angel touched him and told him, get up and eat. And he looked around and there beside his head was some baked bread on hot stones and a jar of water. So he ate and drank and lay down again. The angel of the Lord came a second time, touched him and said, get up and eat some more or the journey ahead will be too much for you. So he got up, ate, drank, um, and the food gave him enough strength to carry 40 days and 40 nights to Mount Sinai, the mountain of God. There he came to a cave where he spent the night. But the Lord said to him, what are you doing here? I'm going to title this message, Back to the Future. Because what had happened here to, just pop that on for me, Um, 
What had happened here is that his life was on pause. Something happened in his world that caused him to stop, caused him to pause. And something needed to happen to get Elijah back on track to his future. And I hope this message this morning will help us because there are things that hit all of our life that stop us, that get us stuck, that hinder us, that put fear into us, and we seem to park up and not go anywhere. And this is the story of Elijah, who was in exactly that place. He'd had a fantastic season in his life. Everything was great. Everything was wonderful, money in the bank, nice car on the road, good job to go to, wife, family, everything fantastic, three holidays a year, life was fantastic for Elijah. And then something hit his world. The most simplest of things, fear. And he was hit by his worst fear. We talk about the Achilles heel. And the expression, your Achilles heel, basically means it's a weakness in spite of overall strength. And we all have an Achilles heel in our life. There's something in our world or some things in our world that despite us being strong and despite us all looking well this morning, that goes on in our life that is a weakness to us and grips us, and grabs us, and takes a hold of us. And this is what happened to Elijah. And no matter what heights we reach in life, no matter how good things get, however high the mountain is, there's always a valley. There's always, there's always something down the road. Now, we don't live pessimistic we don't live and I certainly don't live that you know this is not going to last you know this is okay I've got a few quid in the bank now and I've got a steady job for the time being I don't live like that but also I do live though knowing that that somewhere along my journey somewhere in my life that I'm going to hit something that's going to grab hold of me something that wants to stop me something that wants to grip me And I'm ready for those times. And it says in verse 3 that we read that Elijah was afraid and fled for his life. Something gripped his heart and he fled for his life. And like us all, we have fears, we have concerns, we have fights that cause us to run in our life. And he turned around and he said, Take my life, God. I am no better than my ancestors. Something fell deep into his heart. Something fell deep into his soul that from the height of of calling down physical fire out of heaven that had killed 850 prophets and had even burnt up the rock, the stones, was now in a place of saying, take my life, I'm no better than my ancestors. And it's amazing the stuff that can hit our world that makes us almost say, I've had enough. Even to the point this morning that take my life. We see that suicide 
especially amongst children, is tragic at the moment. Because there's so many fears and phobias and anxieties and worries that are gripping people's lives, gripping children's lives that they shouldn't even be aware of. And yet they're so aware and it's gripping them. And so these fears, this fear that Elijah had caused him to run. Take my life. I want it ending. And what happens is when we get to that place, when we get into that situation, the first thing it does, it leads to isolation. We isolate ourselves. Secondly, it leads to loneliness. Thirdly, there's a fear of failure. That's what Elijah was saying, I'm no better than anybody else. I've failed. I've come to the end of the road. I, I've, I've, I've tried my best and there's, there's a, a sense of failure. There's discouragement. And he felt paralysed, stunned and incapacitated to move forward. That's what this situation, these situations do to us. And we all hit these moments in our life. But can I say this morning, it's okay. God certainly doesn't have a problem with that. And the church shouldn't have a problem with that. We all hit these places. And all he wanted to do was find a place out in the wilderness, hide and die. And he was in a situation now where he needed desperate help. He needed something to lift him from where he was. And God had no problem because he knew exactly where he was and he knew where to find him. God knows exactly where we, where we are and what we need. And you might put a brilliant mask on and I'm very good at putting brilliant masks on. But God knows exactly where I'm at. He knows what's going on in this heart and soul of mine. And he knows where to meet me. And do you know why it's okay to hide? Because in those times, it's probably one of the most important times because it causes us to reflect, to review, and to recharge our lives. Sometimes we need to stop. Sometimes these things just come in our world to help us to review, to reflect what's going on in my world. What adjustments I need to make. Elijah was in this place and thinking, why, why am I in this place? Why did this fear grip me? Why has it put me in a place where I'm wishing that my life was ending? And while he was alone and in this place, he was now reflecting and reviewing his situation. I feel a song coming on, but I won't sing Oliver. <laughs> but he was reviewing his situation and where he was at. And twice God said to him, where, why are you here? God knew exactly why he was there. But I think God wanted Elijah to understand why he was in this situation. And I think God wanted Elijah to know what was going on in his mind. What was going on in his soul? What was going on in his heart? and in his emotions, so that he could figure it out, so that he could find resolve, yeah. so that he could repair, 
and reboot. And these situations are important for us all. Because as we find these weaknesses, rather than them being on board in our life right to the very end, as they come in, like it has for Elijah, that we find out why it's coming, why this fear has gripped my life, and find some resolve, find some strength so that I can overcome this fear, that I can overcome this anxiety and this worry and this thing that so easily grips my life. The writer of Hebrews says, you know, the sin that so easily entangles us. What do we do? We need to look to Jesus and forget the thing of the past. And so there is a transition that when we see those things, those things that entangle our lives, that we look at them, see why they entangle our lives and move from them. And this is exactly what was happening with Elijah, that while he was in this solitary place, while he was wanting to end it all, he was, fight, he was starting to figure it out. And I have to say for my own life that the, the most wisdom and the most understanding I only gain when I'm in these places, not when everything's fantastic. And when I'm right down there, and when I'm doing some soul searching, and wondering why I'm feeling like this, and why I'm hurting inside, I have to figure this out. Why is this hurting me? Why does that kind of person, that kind of character, just, just do that thing to me? And figure it out, and work it out, and find resolve in my life, so that the next time... The, the, the Jezebel wants to shout at me, as it were, and say, I'm coming to kill you. You say, no, you're not. Because you've found resolve. You've found an answer for that thing. Earlier this week, I was listening to a guy, a very young guy, who was very cocky, uh, very full of himself, very full of life, very self-assured. And he went through a very bad illness. And it nearly took his life four times. And looking at, looking at him on screen, he was very, very frail. Um, I meant to look back over the video, um, but he went down to sort of nearly a stone or so, stone and a half. There was absolutely nothing on him. This disease had riddled his life. But there was, a, there was something that he said that really struck me, and it was this. He said, I don't like the pain but I like what I'm becoming. Because through the pain and through everything that he's going through, he realized what kind of person he was. And there was traits in his character and his personality that weren't very nice and that were very derogatory and, and demeaning to people. And he would, you know, not very nice, not on purpose, but just the way he was. And he would just put people down. And through this illness, through this pain that he's gone through, he's realized and reflected and repaired. And he says, I don't like the pain. I would never choose to go through it again. But what I do like is what I'm becoming. The gym of pain grows our guns. Trouble grows our tenacity. And difficulty grows our determination. And as I reflect upon some of my own personal pains that I've had in my own life, particularly as a, as a young boy, 
and my mum and dad's relationship wasn't the best relationship. My mum was broken, brought up by a prostitute. I had 12 uh, brothers and sisters. None of them, apart from two, were related. Left outside of pubs in a pram. And she grew up in 27 different foster homes. Totally messed up and mixed up. My dad, on the other hand, grew up with a mother and father who were very, very hard. Very, very hard. So he didn't know how to hug. He didn't know how to love. And so you've got a, a mum that just didn't know a father's love and was so mixed up. And then you've got a dad that is just messed up in his own way. And the marriage was never brilliant. But somehow they kept the family together. But just growing up, just in that tension, coming home from school and seeing my dad's wardrobe empty and just feeling the pain and the sadness that dad has had to leave home. And then my dad would come back and they'd sort things out and then my mum my would eventually leave home just through the, the relationship just not working because one was looking for the other to repair them and it wasn't happening. And I remember as a young man, Winnick Hospital, just down the road here, when it was a fully working hospital with over 2,000 patients. I remember at uh, 11, 12 and 13 years old, walking down those big stone arch corridors, going to, going to see my mum, who was sectioned and uh, had shock treatment and all the stuff that they barbarically did in the past. I used to remember going down these big long corridors and she was just sat stunned in the corner of a room. And just as her son and, and seeing, seeing the, the, the state of everybody around her and there were some of the women that were trying to escape. Uh, every time the door opened, they were trying to run and there was others that were hitting each other. And, and just hearing those echoes, I can, if, I'm, if I'm quiet enough now, I can still hear those echoes. But I know that those, those pains of my early childhood have done me good. And rather than keeping me trapped and keeping me feel dep depressed or making me feel vulnerable, that I've learned to grow from them and grow empathy and to grow understanding and to grow patience yeah. and to try and understand depression and what it does to somebody and what it can drive them to. Remember one particular night, my mum took a mountain of tablets and threw herself down our stairs. And we just remember, bang, bang, bang. The next thing, the ambulance come, they left us kids in the room for some reason, and the ambulance people were pumping her stomach out in front of us. And there was just tablets flying everywhere. And I remember these things, and, and I'm glad that I remember them, because it just reminds me that, that people can get in such a state, and there's a broken world out there, but as I've learned to deal with those things and deal with that, that, that pain, that it's become a strength to me. And it's become something that's woven into the fabric of my life. And here we find with Elijah, woven into the fabric of his life to make him stronger next time round. Growing up as a single parent, I had four children that I was responsible for. The youngest was two years old. And I had to pack them off to school every morning, try and fit me working 
get them back home overnight and feed them. Take the uniforms off, wash them, dry them, iron them, get them ready for the next morning. And so it went on and on and on for years. And feeling that loneliness when everybody else was going from church and all the young people were going home and going out to Pizza Hut and doing all these things, I'm going home and putting my children to bed. And I still remember, if again, if I'm still long enough, the, the tears come just of the pain and the loneliness that I felt at that time, thinking life is over for me. Who's, you know, first of all, you know, I can't go out anywhere, I can't meet anyone, I've been isolated. And then as I let my mind wander, I think, who's going to want, you know, a guy that's got four kids? And so just feeling that life had come to an end. But as I journeyed through that time, and as I allowed all that pain, and I, and I allowed that time where I went to hide, as it were, I found repair and resolve. And, and now in 2022, life at the moment couldn't be any more better. Beautiful wife, Esther, four beautiful children that are practically undamaged, I think. Um, six grandchildren, one on the way. And I thank God that what he can do. But we have to journey through these times. And then we read that an angel baked bread and gave him water and nursed him back to health. And it's in those times that God knows who to send into your world to help you, to feed you, to nourish you, and give you everything you need to nurse you back to strength. And that nursing can come in lots of different ways. It can come through a friend, come through a church, come through a book, come through a podcast, a video, a conference, just by being on your own and journeying through it yourself. But God knows where you are like he knew where Elijah was. And he fed him and nourished him and gave him what he needed. And in verse 7, it says, Then the angel touched him and said, Get up and eat some more. So after the first time, he laid down. And then the second time, he said, Eat some more, or the journey ahead of you will be too much. God knows what's too much for you and I. God knows, in fact, Jesus said that you will not be tempted above that that you can withstand. But during that time, you find growth and you find the food that God wants to nourish your life with. So that when, like Elijah, he came out of this situation, he came nourished, strong, and that he was ready to meet his Jezebel again. But instead of fleeing he would be able to face it head on and he'd be able to face his fear. And the, and the food gave him enough strength to travel back. God visits us in unique ways. But I want to say this morning in closing, it's your responsibility to take the nourishment that God gives you. And sometimes we don't want it. Sometimes somebody says something to us. 
Medicine is not always nice to take. But God, God knows where you are and what you need. And let me say this morning, don't be, don't, don't be narrow-minded and think that it's got to be a Bible verse. Don't think it's got to be a prophet that comes and speaks over your life. It could be something so simple like walking in the woods or walking in a forest and you suddenly just look up and you just have a moment and you realise that the creator of heaven and earth has made all this. And this massive big God is the same God that wants to look after me. It can just be a moment as simple as that. And I've had some of them that are very simple. Not a scripture, not a word of knowledge or anything spoken over me. It's just been a moment that has helped me shift. And our responsibility is, as it was with Elijah, was to walk out of his cave. Was to walk out of his wilderness. Because that was the purpose of the nourishment. Don't just lay down and die. We're just going to finish with a video right now. And this video is just an illustration, again, of what we've talked about this morning. And it illustrates a, a, about a guy called Derek. And he was running in the Olympics. And then something happened to him. And I just want this to be a, a visual um, closing moment of what we've spoken about but more importantly what God does in our life he's looking to help you like he helped Elijah that's the kind of God that we have that runs on our track in the lane of life that we're in to help us. And wherever you're at and you feel like that you're stuck, there's no future, let him come and bring you back to your future. Because that's that's what he does. But don't limit him. (coughs) Don't think you have to start being religious hyper-spiritual or anything like that. He's just a loving father that wants you to do well. He wants you to walk well. And he wants you to um, be a winner in life. And the most thing he doesn't want is for you to remain where you are. We've come to the end of this week's message. We hope you've been impacted and inspired. Keep up to date with everything that's happening by visiting our website at www.lifechurchwarranty.com.